The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. And good Tuesday morning. And welcome to another edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands, WTJX FM, or yours truly, uh, Neville James. Beautiful day in paradise. Had a little morning shower, like Mary Angelus told us was going to be the case uh, for the foreseeable future in, this, in these parts of the Caribbean during the dry season. <clears throat> and... Uh, Got yeah, a great show. It's beautiful outside. The weather is lovely. It really is lovely. And uh, looking forward to another beautiful winter day. A tropical winter, that is, where the lows uh, get somewhere around 75, 76 degrees and all that good stuff. So for those who are on the mainland and uh, dealing with uh, the wintry stuff, as they say in, uh, on TV, I think it's Bob Barker. Come on down. You know what I'm saying? Because it's lovely down here. Much to my surprise, a great, great uh, lineup this morning. Uh, Marisol hooked me up. I didn't even know who my guests were. But I was pleased to find out that uh, <coughs> we're going to be doing some reminiscing about uh, relationships um, from back in the 60s, high-profile uh, relationships, uh, courtesy of the Caribbean Community Theater as it continues its 39th season with The Meeting, a play by Jeff Stetson. And, of course, this has to do with the meeting of uh, a brother from the north and a brother from the south. That's how I pull that microphone closer to you, Mr. Smith. Um, I got with me here uh, in the studio uh, Mr. Rob Raffel. Make sure I pronounce that name correctly. When I first asked Mr. Raffel, he said, no, no, Raffel. <laughs> So he said, you can pronounce it how you want. I said, no, no, it's like Chappelle. So we're going to pronounce it correctly, Robert Raffel. And we got Justin Smith joining us here. And, of course, the meeting uh, is this is about um, that uh, meeting, uh, the supposed meeting, right? It depicts the supposed meeting of two of the most important men of modern times, Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Right? So I want, first of all, I introduce... Uh, both of these young men, you know, I'm up there, so I, I got the ability to, you know, to, to refer to them as such. Mr. Robert Riffel, welcome to Analyze This. Glad to have you in the studio. Thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Good. And Justin Smith, welcome back. Appreciate it. Morning, morning, everyone. How both of you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, we, we survived festival, cruising festival, so right. I think we're, uh, I think we're, we're above. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm still feeling Saturday a little <laughs> so bit. Uh, Mr. Smith, since you've been here before, let me... Let you uh, reintroduce yourself to the audience. Give yourself some, give the audience some background, and then we could do that, with Mr. Rafael. Then we can get into the good stuff. All right. Good morning, everyone. Justin Smith here again, um, founder of Lion Haven, which is a uh, nonprofit organization here in Island that started with a few people where we work with at-risk youth after school. Do a lot of our stuff after school over in the Mombiju community, Mombiju um, Homeowners Association building with C. And we do different uh, different things around the, the island as far as CrossFit with the kids at the CrossFit gym, 
uh, jujitsu uh, over at Beeston Hill Fitness Center. We have a cooking program we do, but um, that's the main thing I do on island. I'm also a personal trainer, and I help coach uh, over at 340 CrossFit as well. Mm-hmm. And now I'm somewhat of a thespian now. This, oh, will, yeah? be my, this will be my second play okay. that I've done with, with CCT. Every year during this uh, during Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, that's when they... Uh, they they do a play that's specific for for Black History. So last year, the three of us met because we were, you know, cast as uh, Frederick Douglass. That's what I'm talking about. Glad to have you back. And uh, NFL champ back in the day. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. I, I forgot about that. We are in the middle of football season, but yes, I I, I played uh, in the in the league for four years and played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are in the playoffs uh, this year. And uh, we'll, we'll see we'll see how far they go. That's what I'm talking about, Mr. Rafael. Good morning. Yes, good morning. My name is Robert Rafael. I'm here uh, with CCT. This is my uh, third production with them. Originally, I was raised in Houston, um, West African parents, and um, made my way to, to, to the Virgin Islands. I've uh, been in St. Croix almost two years now. I've been back and forth for about five years. Proud father of three children, Lily, Leia, and Shaka. Uh, well-known fixtures, those three little, three little rascals. Um, Doing work here with Tropical Shipping, providing all of the shipping needs, so we have a great time. Um, I'm very busy, but I, I enjoy spending time with um, CCT because I learn and grow so much doing these productions. So I'm, I'm really new to the theater world, but I've appreciated how much it's helped me to grow as, as a person being involved. Awesome. Are we joined now? Uh, pull that microphone closer, young man, and introduce yourself to the audience. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for calling me a young man. <laughs> good morning, good morning, and thank you. My name is Lionel Downer, and I am the director of CCT's production of The Meeting. Uh, I've lived in, the, had the pleasure of residing here in the Virgin Islands since 1997. I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois. Um, I've been involved with CCT since about 1998, and over the course of that time, I've uh, been in a number of productions, uh, and had the fortune of working with these two gentlemen in last year's production of The Agitators, the Frederick Douglass play. Um, So I've been an actor, I've served on their board of directors. Uh, This is the fifth production that I've directed for CCT, um, including uh, such productions as The Piano Lesson and Fences by August Wilson, uh, A Raisin in the Sun, uh, Blues for an Alabama Sky by Pearl Cleach. So uh, a, a number of productions uh, with CCT. And uh, and just thankful you know, to be able to stage this production uh, this coming weekend. So and looking forward to uh, having a uh, successful run. Thank you for, for joining us here, uh, Mr. Downer. Director Downer. Yeah, thank you, sir. You know what I'm saying? I'm put it to you that way. So let's get right to it. When all the courtesies are done, you know what I'm saying? Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King. Growing up, <clears throat> I was a Martin Luther King guy. That is no longer the case. I'm a big Malcolm X fan, right? Of course, the movie X came out in the early 90s, um, directed by uh, Spike Lee. Yes, yes. Um, and, of course, Denzel Washington with another flawless performance, what have you. Um, but let's go back to Martin Luther King. Uh, uh what was it about Martin Luther King? Let me start with you, Mr. Smith, because you're Martin Luther King in, in, the, in the meeting, right? Yes, I am. What, is it, what was it about Martin Luther King that inspired you? He was obviously a great orator, and you know things that he said resonated you know, even before he said it. That's how great he was. 
and uh, he's, he's known for his speeches and, and how they, you know, captivated those who may have listened to it. Um, in playing this role, what is it about Martin Luther King that, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, um, that has, you know, provided motivation for you? Well, you know, growing up, I mean, I was brought up in, in the church uh, myself. I mean, I'm from Indiana. I've been down here for uh, going on 14 years now. But uh, what, what resonated the most w with him was just how he was using the, the, the teachings of Jesus, you know, with part of his whole, whole movement as far as turning the other cheek and, and being nonviolent. Um, and it just brings back memories from, you know, just growing up in the church, you know, we went to church, you know, twice on Sundays, once on Wednesdays. So that spirit has been ingrained in me, um, you know, just, just growing up throughout my whole life. I mean, as I got older, you know, and I got a little more angry, of course, I started to look and feel more of how uh, Malcolm X was. But at the end of the day, it was the, the peaceful, the peaceful side of um, turning the other cheek and, and what would, would Jesus do that kind of resonated the most with with me as far as what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was all about. Okay, and uh, Mr. Rafael, uh, what is it about um, Malcolm X? Um, who was deemed a radical uh, at the time, and he was in the North. Um, MLK was uh, based in the South. Um, what, what motivates you to play this role in the meeting? I think we spoke a little bit about this before the show. The first movie that I can remember was going to see X in 93 with my cousins and my brothers and sisters. Um, you know, as a nine-year-old at the time, it was just very impactful to see that, to understand a little bit more about it. And as I grew up, I learned more about Malcolm. The very first book that I read um, in high school on my own accord, not, not because of school, was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, so just as a young black man growing up in the South, learning about who he was and how the story really, really wasn't told in popular culture. Um, outside of the movie, we didn't get a lot of exposure to him and he was always painted in a negative light. So for me, I always admired what he really stood for and especially his ability and his willingness to change um, towards, towards the end of his life. So that really hit me hard. Um, now, of course, I'm 39 years old. He passed away when he was 39. He was assassinated. So this particular play really resonated with me, um, just thinking about where I'm at in my life and am I willing to kind of just say goodbye to everything based on my, on my beliefs. Mr. Mr. Dona, um, <clears throat> you're directing this, this play, which uh, has a lot of historical significance um, with respect to um, the, the righteous leader the overly calm, righteous leader from the South and and the radical, uh, not not uh, afraid to call a speed a speed from the North in, uh, in Malcolm X. Uh, when you look at what you're trying to accomplish, when somebody walks into the theater, sees the meeting, and then walks out, what are you hoping for them based on you know, this discussion, because that's what this is about. Correct, correct. Well, what I hope that the audience, uh, the attendees I gained from the production is greater understanding of both men. Um, while we, uh, the community, the public at large, deems Malcolm as the, as the radical, um, I would... Uh, suggests that Dr. King's ideal in adopting nonviolence 
um, as a way of uh, moving uh, forward the civil rights movement and adopting the teachings of Jesus, and as well as uh, Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi, adopting those tenets of nonviolence um, in the face of violence that was uh, presented on them in the course of their movement. I think that's a radical ideal. Um, you know, Jesus at the time, you know, his ideal was radical at that time. You know, the, uh, you know, with the Jews being, uh, being oppressed, you know, uh, you know, by the, uh, by the Romans, occupied by the Romans. Um, you know, that ideal of love, love thy neighbor, you know, that is, uh, considered a radical idea. So, but overall, as a, Getting back to the uh, the actual play, um, we hope that people gain a greater understanding again about both men's views, uh, because both men, at the very end of the day, uh, wanted the same thing. They both wanted the same thing. They just were uh, striving toward those goals in uh, different methods. Um, Cornell West um, once referred to um, what. Malcolm X wanted for his people um, centered around self-respect, self-determination, self-defense, right? That was almost 60 years ago, right? We're in 2024 now. Mm -hmm. um, his heyday was late 50s, early 60s. Um, that's multiple generations uh, later. Uh, those three tenets... Um, isn't that the same thing that uh, Martin Luther King wanted as well, but just went about asking for it or seeking it a different way? In a different way. Pull yes. that microphone closer to you, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, they both uh, wanted to, yeah, Dr. King wanted to achieve those same, uh, same means. So, and also in the ideal of creating unity uh, to, you know, and holding uh, what was being uh, done, you know, against uh, your black, uh, black people during that time. Um, holding, you know, the injustice and holding uh, that injustice and presenting that uh, to uh, the country, you know, as a whole, saying, you know, look at this injustice that being that's being oppressed upon us, and you know, we are, you know, just asking for justice, yeah, asking for what is right, what is fair, mm -hmm. and um, and by you know promoting nonviolence, he was able to gain those uh, those partners you know on the other side across various faiths you know across various races so to uh, uh, to take up his cause so Mr. Smith civil rights was was one of the, the foundation the foundational <clears throat> uh, arguments and and real-time arguments for Martin Luther King particularly in, in, in the 60s and here we are now, 60 plus years later and that is still an issue but we have come a long way from from where where it started I but mean, don't, don't. my um i mean because my parents my uh father's from mississippi my mom's from arkansas so they they were they grew up during the time they were in the schools when they were getting um segregated mm -hmm. um and i remember growing you know growing up and going family reunions back down south and um i mean you can still get a sense of where things how things used to be but still understand how much and how far we've come since then i mean my parents grew up with signs you know that 
four colored only signs, signs yeah. that I never saw myself growing Correct. up yeah. in Indiana and, you know, being a military brat, but just, you know, during, during the time frame when Martin was, you know, starting or being a part of this movement and having those signs come down during that time. I mean, we've made a lot of progress. I mean, we're not perfect, but it's definitely been progress from when it all got started. At some point, I want to, to cycle back to, to your parents' journey because um, you mentioned um, one was from Mississippi, one was from Arkansas. Yes. But there was uh, a migration. The great um, migration. From, from back in the South where um, people of color spread out through America. Uh, a lot of them settled in northern towns, a lot of them settled in Oakland. Oakland, California was a, mm. an, a northern California. Industrial towns. Uh, industrial towns um, um, seeking, seeking work. In your case, um, Malcolm, right? I don't call it, I don't refer to you as Malcolm, right? <laughs> oh, it's Malcolm and Martin. <laughs> Malcolm and Martin, right? Still in character. Um, That's how we address them uh, in rehearsals, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, right? Malcolm X took it at, at, to a further level. He said, this is not a civil rights issue. This is a human rights issue. Correct. Because what you're doing to, to, to me, as a black man, you shouldn't be doing to anybody of any color. So that has to resonate with you as well. Yeah, it definitely does. It, it, growing up in the South in the 80s, my parents uh, went to a church that I attended as, a, as an infant that was purposefully segregated. So white people sat on one side and black people sat on the other side. In the 80s? This is in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And this was, it wasn't because there were rules. They were just kind of polite society and they kind of kept that. Um, I think what we're looking at now is is human rights, what Malcolm was talking about was so far ahead of his time because we now in the 21st century are dealing with human rights almost to the same degree. We're asking the same questions. You went through this in, in 2020 uh, in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder. Yes. Where you had the protests and people were, but I, that was more about a distribution of wealth. Yes. Where people were saying, look, we've had enough with the haves and the have-nots, but in reality, history repeats itself over and over again. And in the play, it says, uh, Malcolm says a line in there, and I'm sure these were his very, his very deep sentiments, that you want us to be able to integrate the coffee shop. We want to be able to own it. You want us to be able to buy a cup of coffee. We want to be able to sell it. So like you said, that self-determination component um, is something that we're still dealing with and struggling with, even here on St. Croix, a majority black, black island. So um, these, these are issues which... We uh, are, we, I don't mean to cut you off, but we're going to take a break please. right now because I know you were in full flight right <laughs> there. So I'm going to take a break, come back, and, and let you pick it back up, all right? Thank you. Uh, we're talking with uh, Justin Smith, uh, Rob Rafael, and Director Lionel Dona. Be back right after this. The meeting. Topic today. A new year deserves a fresh start. The Bank of St. Croix provides in-person service, personal and business checking accounts, online banking, and mobile apps for banking on the go, a nonprofit community investment checking account, and a 24-hour banking cash management platform. There are two locations, one in Gallus Bay and one in Peter's Rest. The Bank of St. Croix has something for everyone. Contact a customer service specialist for details regarding our nonprofit community investment checking account. Member FDIC. On Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big that cowboy hat on. <laughs> he looked like, like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1.
your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Doom scrolling. Let's break that habit, folks. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where if you want to know what's going on in the world and why it matters, all you have to do is give your thumb a rest and perk up your ears. We've got the news, but we've also got curiosity, joy, and surprise. Tune in for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. This and uh, we joined by um, two actors and a director. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we got director Lionel Dona uh, joining us. He is the director of the meeting, right? A play by Jeff Stetson, uh, featuring uh, the infamous meeting of uh, leaders from uh, the South and the North in the '60s in the South, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and uh, in the North, uh, Detroit Red. You know what I'm saying? That's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, that's my guy. You know what I mean? I just I can't help it. Uh, the one and only um, <clears throat> Malcolm X, Malcolm Little, right? Yes, yes. Uh, originally from uh, uh, Omaha, right? Uh, yeah. o- from Nebraska, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And with Caribbean roots. So I want to talk a little bit about. But you were you were talking about uh, what? Uh, and, and I was just sensing it when you were talking. You sounded like how Spike Lee was depicting Malcolm when he realized that uh, Malcolm was buying into the role and he had actually transformed from Denzel to Malcolm uh, X during the process of filming the movie and all that stuff. I think that's part of the greatness of Denzel Washington where clearly when he does something, he decides, I'm going to go all in. And that's why his movies continue to be dominant. Yeah. Uh, even 30, 40 years later. Mm-hmm. So speak a little bit about that in terms of when you were talking about the segregation of the the the, 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 the churches in the 80s, and then we could get into the... Yeah, so so seeing that growing up and, and you know, being in the South and, and especially South Texas, and you, we still have sundown towns. Well, there were sundown towns, me growing up, uh, some known as Vider, Texas, it was known as one of them. These were towns that when it got late, you were known to get out of these towns. Mm-hmm. So these aren't, you know, I think Under the Muddied Waters is the book, but these are real places that existed here in the 21st century. So having that experience really um, helped me to see and understand that, yeah, Malcolm's, Malcolm wasn't talking crazy. He wasn't talking greasy. This man knew what he was saying, and he understood very well the dynamics of how to arrange society based on how people want to be treated. If you want to treat me a certain way, we're mm-hmm. going to play that certain way. And it was effective in, in getting people's attention, but more importantly, mobilizing black people. Before I get back to, uh, to Director Dona, uh, Justin, um, good morning once again. Uh, 
Dr. Martin Luther King um, had this ability. Um, you know, some people are just blessed with the ability when they speak. You know, they not only you know garner attention, but people start really listening and getting into what they were saying. And in, in and you mentioned it earlier, which was good. Um, there was a time, even here, you know, during the slave days, where all people had was their family and their faith. And you mentioned how uh, Dr. King uh, never got away from the fact that, you know, without, you know, speaking from a spiritual perspective, uh, he really didn't feel comfortable uh, <clears throat> not letting the public know, that's my base. That's the basis for what I'm going to say. Talk a little bit about that as you are playing this role in the meeting. Yeah, with, with Martin, I mean, he was he was a preacher, he was a pastor. Yeah. And... I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what he wanted to be. He just really wanted to lead a church. But, you know, during this time, I mean, as a church leader, I mean, people look to you as being being a leader because you're, you're, you're the pastor. Um, and basically, like, there's a line in the play when he basically says he just wanted to lead a church. But then a woman took a bus ride. Mm, yes. right? And then because of that bus ride, you find out, you know, people do certain things or when they're, when your feet get tired, mm -hmm. you know, woman sat down in the, you know, I'm on a bus, I'm right. I'm and, and then that ended up becoming the movement. That's where it started. But I mean, his roots right there with, with the church. And that's exactly what he, what he preached. And there's other lines in the play where he talks about Jesus gave this movement a spirit, mm -hmm. you know, 2000 years ago. And then Gandhi, like Lionel was saying, part of the story, he, he gave it a method. And then Dr. Martin Luther King, when it used black people in this nation, forging that spirit with the movement and then trying to create a weapon of love is what he was trying to do and did do. Without, without a doubt, Director Downer, I like to call you that to because <laughs> one of my good friends in the States, his name is John Downer, so I, you know, so when I heard, saw the My name, grandfather I, is John Downer. That's what I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying? No, this, one's from, this one's from Jersey, right? It's okay. John Downer. Uh, morning, JD, by the way. Um, <clears throat> here is something that I noticed over the years. Um... There are more poor people than there are rich people. That's just the reality. That's how economics is, right? And the arguments that a Malcolm X and a Martin Luther King were making at the time, the reason why they resonated across racial lines was because the, the, the distribution of wealth. There were white people who could relate to what Malcolm and Martin were talking about simply because their their pocketbook was not at the same levels as, as rich people. Yes. And oppression isn't limited to color. Mm -hmm. It is also limited. It is also includes economics. So is that a reason, and this is a quick question to you, why when you're looking at YouTube clips 50, 60 years later, you're seeing white people in the mosques uh, when Malcolm was preaching and at uh, rallies when Dr. King showed up. You re you believe that because of the economic terrain, that the the realities of people saying, "Well, look, I I can't fool myself." What he's talking about, I'm feeling it every single day. Mm -hmm. Correct. Well, yeah, I would agree that um, yeah, because there was this. I don't mean to cut you off. There yes, was sir. this great meeting with him and and the Jewish. Uh, uh, Abraham uh, uh, in Chicago with Martin Luther King and, and, and Abraham when they met and they shook hands mm -hmm. at this rally and all that stuff so 
Uh, religion bring, is supposed to bring you together because you're, you're dealing with love, but the economic realities, you can't ignore that as well. That's cor- that's correct. You could not ignore Pull the... Pull the microphone straight so they can get directly there. <laughs> yes, sir. No, there you, we go. Yeah. You could not ignore the economic realities. And toward the end of Dr. King's life, he, the, his, he wanted to shift the focus of the movement from civil rights to economics. Uh, he, the next great rally that he wanted to... Uh, Ignite was a poor people's rally on Mar- on DC, much like the uh, the march on DC back mm-hmm. in what sixty three. Yeah. So uh, so that was uh, toward the end of life. That was uh, beginning to be the focus of Dr. King's uh, movement. So uh, because he recognized, yeah, economics affects affected everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, there were poor whites in the Appalachians. Uh, you know, poor across uh, the various races. So, but. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, the country, racism at the time, used race, used color as a dividing method, you know, between, you know, blacks and blacks and whites. There may have been poor whites, but, you know, those that may have been in power said, well, you know, at least you're not, <laughs> at least you're not, uh, you know, black. So those are, uh, those are your, uh, their enemies instead of recognizing that economics was really a dividing factor. Without a doubt. Uh, by the way, um, <clears throat> I want you distinguished actors and directors to know uh, that uh, we have some friends over in St. Thomas, right, at the Forum, uh, and Nicole Parsons, she's a regular here, and they're actually screening um, the Met Opera Malcolm X this Thursday mm. in in St. Thomas over at the Forum at the uh, Antilles School, the Life and Times of Malcolm X. I want to give a shout-out to her, and this is because January is... Is, is a very important month in both of these men's uh, lives, right? Um, Martin Luther King Day is Monday, right? And that's significant. That's the reason why you're doing the, the, um, the, the plays. In recognition of his re- birthday, recon- yes. His birthday, right? Yes, sir. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, mm. right? 8 o'clock, Friday and Saturday night, and then a matinee performance on Sunday. Yeah, 4 p.m. 4, um, 4, 4, 4 p.m. Matinee on Sunday, okay. yes. Okay, good. You excited, man? You ready? Cause I'm looking at I'm looking at these photos. I I, I got a photo here with Malcolm X, uh, with of course Robert Fell. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Rob Rob X, right? Uh, and he has on his tie, uh, and of course there's a there's a guy in a body uh, in, 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 a, in a bow tie. I thought that was that was Martin Luther King, but he said that's his bodyguard. That's, that's his bodyguard, Richard. Yeah, bodyguard, played by Wanson Harris. Wanson Wants Harris. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, okay, that's good. Uh, so you excited, man? You ready? You, you think you think you think you're going? You know. I was excited from uh, from the auditions. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Excited from the auditions and the cast um, and the production team, you know, which also includes you know, very uh, two very excellent production assistants, uh, Trisha Scott and Kadeen Hackshaw. Uh, uh, we're all excited about this uh, this coming weekend. So we're just putting in the final touches mm-hmm. and uh, ready to uh, welcome uh, the audience uh, this coming weekend to learn uh, more of the story to, of these uh, two amazing men. That's not a chip on my shoulder. That's your foot on my neck. <laughs> That's a, a, a classic Malcolm X line from back in the day. Revisited three years ago. Four years ago now, because time's flying. Four years come Memorial Day with the George Floyd murder. Literally, foot on his neck, killing this man while he's calling for his moms. We still got ways to go as a people. It, it definitely reminds us that we have work to do. I think a lot of what uh, Martin and Malcolm were, were trying to do was Malcolm was trying to affect our, 
our minds, to get us to change our way of thinking, to see ourselves as better. Martin wanted the external. He wanted to try to change the external um, as far as having self-respect in face of the violence, so being able to withstand that. Um, those two things, I think, are very important for us today to remember that we have to not only behave in a way, but also have our minds be changed. And all of us are working on that. This play shows how flawed these two men were. There was a line in the play where it says, Malcolm says to Martin, he says, well, maybe you're, you're afraid of coming out of hotel rooms, kind of giving him a little subtle jab, like, hey, people know you, you little philanderer. You know, and then and then um, this is Malcolm telling this to Malcolm. Martin. Is, he's yeah, telling yeah. this to Martin. Yeah. So like we know you're you you kind of you kind of you know wild. You kind of wild. Mm -hmm. And then you know there's sometimes that Martin says, you know, violence is that all you see? Is this is this ever, all yeah. you see is just red, yeah. Malcolm? Yeah. And and so they're they're both so flawed, and they both have to come to grips with we're just two imperfect men who have been chosen to do something right now that's very important. Wow, wow, that's that that's awesome. Speaking of which. Dr. King, right? Yes. He had a, a man inside his camp who was wrought with jealousy, Ralph Abernathy, who in the later years was out there like as if he was a rat. I'm going to be very straightforward here, speaking nothing but negative things about Malcolm, uh, uh, Martin Luther King. No, I'm speaking a generic context. Uh, that's, that's a microcosm of everybody. Who is who is popular, isn't it? Right, yeah. uh, where 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 you have people who are around you, sitting around you, and saying to themselves, "I could be him." That has that has to be a concern for everybody as a human being. That's not, so. I want I want you to speak to because if you're playing the role, that means you know emotionally you probably embrace what Martin Luther King went through, and then you've been an athlete, so you've been out there uh, a professional athlete. That's not easy to deal with, knowing that. People you're supposed to be in a foxhole with not necessarily showing you love the way you love them. Right. I mean, like you said, it's a, it, it's something that is faced in every part of life. And I mean, when you think about it in terms of, you know, how I was brought up as far as, you know, being a Christian and Christianity, the way I kind of look at it is like you have a person, you know, let's just like Martin, where they're this they're this huge light. Right. And then what happens is with this light, you're, there's always going to be darkness trying to dim that light, mm -hmm. trying to bring it down um, in any way it can, because there's particularly for him or anybody that's in power, there's a message that they're trying to, to send. And human nature with people that want to attack and bring that down. I mean, like you said, you'll, you'll find that in every every part of life, not just with uh, you know, historical figures. When, when Malcolm came back from the pilgrimage and at that time, he had been ushered out of the Nation of Islam, and he said, well, I'm, I'm moving on now. Correct. I want to bring other uh, groups and come together, and we start the United Negro, right? There was, a, there was a, an association that he wanted to start, right? And, and, he asked, and they asked him a question. They said, are you going to be a leader? And he said, no, um, because I noticed when you say you're leading, there's jealousy and envy with others. Right, because the reality is, let's face it, uh, if you have the ability to articulate yourself or when you speak, what you say resonates, people are going to follow you. We are seeing that right now, right? Even Donald Trump, we might think what we want to think of Donald Trump, but you got to give the man credit. There are those who believe him blindly. Why? Because they believe that what he says, what he represents 
is what they want to, to be to be a part of. As a director, how do you rein in your your your, your actors to, to let them know we got to stick on stick on focus, stick on message? Mm. <laughs> that's um that's a yeah, that's a great question. And um Well you're on a great show. So. <laughs> <laughs> well and um and I bring to mind and I haven't shared this actually with the actors yet, but there is a uh, famous quote uh by Alexander Pope um that says that um you know, coming uh, trying to bring it uh back to mind but basically uh that you know the essence is is that everyone within a a, a play you know all has a an important role the quote is act well your part there all the honor lies wow whether it's a a walk-on part, or if it's a major role, mm -hmm. you know, all of the parts within a production, you know, have importance. And so there is, uh, we've got, uh, and we're fortunate to have three amazing actors, you know, um, an excellent production crew. All the other behind the scenes um, efforts that it takes to stage a production like this, all have, are very important, and none, and none, no role is minimized. So. Act well your part. They're all the honor lies. They're all Alexander the honor lies. I'm, I'm, re I'm reading it right now, man. I'm reading it right now. So, so yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <clears throat> one of the things I, you know, uh, as a history major and, and looking back, and um, I was mentioning this to, to Rob Raffel. I don't know if you know this, Mr. Downer, but there were a lot of Virgin Islanders who were part of the Nation of Islam movement. Because there was a major migration of Virgin Islanders and folks from the Caribbean to the New York to New York City, not to America, to New York City. Mm -hmm. When we leave and we go in New York, we ain't going to the states. We go in New York. And um, when Malcolm was killed, a lot of them had to run, come back home. Right? I, you know, I I know of this personally. Um, we're going to a break now. So when we come back, I, I want to speak. Um, from the standpoint, because I know the focus is the meeting and all that stuff, but I, I want to speak uh, from the perspective of the realities that black people and people of color were dealing with in the 60s and how that serves as a motivating factor to get the best out of these two young men um, with the meeting, um, Mr. Justin Smith playing Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King and Mr. Rob Raffel uh, playing um, Malcolm X. Okay, when yes, we come sir. back. And we got um, the principles from the meeting um, shows on Friday and Saturday, uh, 8 p.m., and then a Sunday afternoon matinee program at 4 p.m. The Caribbean Community Theater will take a break. Be back right after this. Music can be an incredibly personal experience. A song can inspire you, it can comfort you, it can make you feel understood, it can even take you back to a specific moment in your life. And it all begins with the artist. Join me, Raina Duras, as I get personal through in-depth interviews with your favorite musicians and find out where those songs come from on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. Saturday mornings, we're here for you with Weekend Edition. 
two hours of news, interviews, new music, new books, rattling good stories, interesting people, challenging analysis, laughs, air shows, and donkey rides for the kids. So come along with us. Weekend Edition, Saturday mornings from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Fires. Falls. Failures rise sunk 16 inches but now in a worldwide skyscraper building boom toll buildings answer social economic climate change urbanization population growth can they be made safe and livable constant movement flow and interaction the sky's the limit high risk high rise on nova tune in wednesday at 10 p.m on wtjx tv channel 12 with so much going on, it can be hard to keep up with who's doing what and why. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, letting you know whether it's news from across the country and the world or a deep conversation about a novel, movie, or music, we got you. Grab your coffee or your earbuds and tune in to Weekend Edition from NPR News. Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Now we're back here to analyze this. The meeting is the focus about the Caribbean Community Theater as it continues its 39th season um, with this play um, by Jeff Stetson. It's locally directed by Lionel Downer and Wanson Harris, Rob Raffel, uh, Robert Raffel, I keep calling him Rob, Robert Raffel and Justin Smith are, are the key actors. There are only three performances of the meeting at the Caribbean Community Theater, January 12th and 13th. That's Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. and a Sunday matinee on January 14th at 4 p.m. And we got uh, the director and uh, the two main uh, actors here uh, in, in the meeting. Mr. Downer, did the meeting happen? A meeting did happen. Uh, historically, uh, uh, both uh, Dr. King and uh, Malcolm Met in uh, 1964, uh, they were both in D.C. to observe the Senate debates on the Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. And they had a very brief meeting uh, in passing. I think it was less than 10 minutes uh, in the hallway. And there's a very iconic photo of the two gentlemen, you know, in, standing up, right? Yeah, standing, standing up, up in yeah. the hallway, yeah, yeah. shaking hands, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and smiling. And that was the only time. So uh, known time, I should say, mm -hmm. uh, that the two gentlemen uh, met. That's how I lost. It is. It is. You know what I'm saying? Because, uh, but you can't blame them, though, because the, the times that they, they were dealing with, you know what I'm saying? Turbulent, not to say the least, and, and, and Justin, uh, nonviolence, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's synonymous. That was, that was Martin's. That, uh, that's, that's Martin's thing, nonviolence, mm -hmm. right? And, and Mr. Raphael, by any means necessary. By any means yeah, necessary. Yeah, yeah. So that's two different, right. that's two different two universes. Yeah. Not in our world. Universes. <laughs> right. right? Indeed. Uh, but I'm sure if they had lived into their 50s and 60s, which would have taken us into, our, into the 70s and 80s, they would have had even greater impact because we were dealing, look, America, not just the world, but America in particular, had major transformation over the next 20 years after the, 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 the 
murders, the assassinations of these two great human beings, right? We're talking about 1965, Malcolm X, mm -hmm. and 1968, right? Martin Luther King, Yes. right? Do you know that uh, 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 there was a, a man lost his life on St. Croix as a result of the, Mal the, Mal the Martin Luther King murder? Wow. I didn't realize mm -hmm. it. A black man lost it, and he murdered a white man here on St. Croix. I won't get into the graphic way he did it, but that was in immediate response right there. Don't you know where the police station is right now? Yes. Yeah. We used to have a restaurant, one of the great restaurants in, in St. Croix history by the name of Golden Cow. The Golden Cow, yes. And mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that, that incident happened there, and he did it, and he was walking his way down into the water gut area, mm -hmm. and they just picked him up, and he never, he never resisted. Because he that. was, he, he, that, that's how radical, how turbulent the terrain was. Um, back in the in the sixties, correct. And well, and you recall, I mean, historically, you know, in the aftermath of the uh, murders of you know, of, uh, particularly of uh, Dr. King, mm -hmm. the uh, unrest that occurred in the cities like Chicago, like Detroit, like Watts, um, you know, like in New York, uh, the and one of the lines in the in the play uh, where Malcolm says, you know, it's the rage. You know, it's the rage mm -hmm. that people, uh, you know, felt they, you know, you know, the murders of these of these gentlemen, Dr. King, you know, who was all about, you know, nonviolence. Um, you know, and all he preached was nonviolence and preaching, you know, what do what's right, do what's morally uh, correct and uh, slain, you know, as a result of that. So Let, let's let's talk about the murders. 1965, the Audubon Room. Yes. New York City. Yes. Um, I was telling you earlier, one of my employees, his dad was a bodyguard for Malcolm X, mm. right? Tony Felix, the great Tony Felix. That's amazing. And another one of my listeners, Lenny Larson, his dad, Buddy Larson, was a, as a bodyguard for Malcolm X as well. Amazing. Right? So, um, as told to me by Buddy Larson, never we had to we had to leave New York. We couldn't stay in New York because at that time. It wasn't just that they killed Malcolm X. There was an internal feud yes. with the Nation of Islam and all that stuff. And so he said the first thing a lot of us had to do was some of us went to Boston because we had to get out of New York City. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? And then they worked their way back home. In that time, um, that's when the migration had ended and folks were starting to come back home now mm -hmm. from, uh, from New York City. The, the, the middle class was being created in the Virgin Islands mm -hmm. and all that stuff. What a lot of people don't know, and this is as told to me, Buddy Larson, I'm sorry, but I go call a speed a speed here. I go let the public know, right? Um, there were FBI agents of color working inside the nation of Islam. Embedded. Yes. Yep. And they had, they had to be sent places too. Mm -hmm. And one of them who I actually you know, knew, and he worked here in, 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 in the government, that a lot of them were sent here to the Virgin Islands. Because that's what the Virgin, the Virgin, that's why the Virgin Islands. People think that the Virgin Islands was was just uh, bought because of our strategic location to the Panama Canal, what have you, and of course the deep water port that there is in Saint Thomas. It was also an outpost. Many of federal agents who may have gotten in trouble or had been deemed a target, they move here to the Virgin Islands. Mm. In particular, yeah. A lot, a lot of people don't know. If you didn't uh, know, now you know. Now according you know. to according to Biggie Smalls, right? <laughs> if you don't know, now you, now know. you know. And and we may be small, but we could also find a way to hide you. And that 
is the realities and the terrain that we were dealing with uh, in the 60s. 60s was a, was a arguably the most important decade as it relates to human relations in the history of America, maybe second only to the 18, mm. the, the 1860s mm. with the Civil War and, mm. and all that stuff. It's, it's interesting you say that um, this play ostensibly takes place two weeks before he passes. So he's, he's about to go. He actually, like we, we talked a little about this earlier, he knows that he's about to die or that his death is coming pretty soon. He doesn't this is, this know is Malcolm you're talking about. This is Malcolm. Yes. Yeah, Malcolm yes. understands life is not going to go on. Mm-hmm. He says a couple times, he references, but one time he says, you know, if uh, we're not going to be seeing much of each other again, are we? Mm-hmm. And if you're around longer than I, please tell them that we climbed it one together, which I think this director did a great job at kind of transmitting the sentiments. I don't like historical revisionism. I don't like when people like to imbue historical characters with these weird concepts that we have no way to base in if they would have behaved that way or not. Mm-hmm. But this director, uh, or rather the, the writer of this play and and the director, Lionel, want to transmit how real these these men were and not how we want them to be, but how they kind of, as much as we can, make them how they were. Without a doubt. In your case, uh, Justice Smith, I'm sure you read up on Dr. King. Yeah. Because you want to make sure that uh, in playing this role that, you know, you're presenting yourself as him, right? In his case, he was murdered in Memphis, Tennessee? Yeah, I think so. 1968. Like room, and then, of course, everybody knows the name James Earl Ray. Mm-hmm. And then uh, subsequent to that, people are saying, well, no, it wasn't him. You know, that, that, well, that's just the conspiracy. conspiracy. If you follow what I'm saying? Right. You know, you. We weren't there, so we don't know. Right. You know, we're, we're going based on, on what, we're, what we were told. But um, from, a, from a Dr. Martin Luther King uh, perspective, when you're looking back, uh, dying in 68, I believe, not not long before or after Robert Kennedy. Uh, Robert Kennedy was murdered the same year he was seeking the presidency in 1968. Mm -hmm. When you look back at it, what's this now? 56 years later, right? Because we're in 2024 now. Um, You mentioned we come a long way, but we still got ways to go. In your take. Right. Um, Like you were saying, during the 60s, it was very volatile, right? That's the word. It was very very crazy. I mean, like... uh, Malcolm was saying, I mean, this play takes place on, on the night that his home was, was firebombed with, with Molotov yeah. cocktails. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. this is when this play is taking place. In, the, in actual, the actual night. The actual night. Wow. That's when it takes place. And then I think what the following week or maybe the next week after that, that's when he ends up being, you know, assassinated. And like Robert was saying, it, mm-hmm. he kind of had that feeling knowing something was coming something was going to happen and that iconic to, photo right. of him by it, the window yeah with 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 with, with the you know just looking out laying them know, rifle, yes. you know with the rifle yo, oh, yeah so yo. you get you get that sense through this play like kind of like a for, foreshadowing mm-hmm. of, of what's of what's to come and and malcolm or martin kind of understands that understands it as well i mean you, you, three you, years later you, look is at, when malcolm or when, you, when martin you, yeah i was going to actually look him yeah. looking back you sense that 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 Martin realized everybody's time, in particular, given the roles that mm-hmm. he and I were playing, is borrowed. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, they know that they'll never see each other again after this meeting they have. Like they wow. both wow. know that, you know. And each one of us was trying to tell each one, you know, tell the other to take take care of yourself, mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. thing. And then we, you know, Malcolm's up ends up saying a prayer for for Martin when, when he leaves, um, but they both know that. They're not going to see each other again. 
it, it really captures the essence of a, of a fraternity that, that black men have. And it's really hard to transmit, but so, black men, sometimes we don't have to know each other for a long time. We don't have to have been around each other for years. But, but we could get a feel for each yeah. other yeah. real so, quickly. When something happens, something go down, we can get together. And these two men are talking to each other, never have met before. Mm-hmm. They, they've, they've arguing with each other at blows at times. There's actually several arm wrestling scenes that occur. They've bonded because they understand they have this bond between them. It's very hard to explain. And, and in that, you know, when he's getting towards the end, you can feel that. During some of our rehearsals, I, you know, I've, I've kind of been moved. And, I, you know, sometimes I've even got moved to tears just in rehearsals because I feel what this man, these two men are, go, are going through. Mm-hmm. And they hug each other and they know it's the last time. So it's, um, yeah, it's very, very touching and I think people are going to see the humanity in them a lot much better than just uh, a cursory look at the day on the calendar and say it's MLK Day. They'll actually get to feel what these men were feeling. So now you're the director, you're the coach, and these are your two star players. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My well, linebacker, football player, right? punter. I'm the punter. I'm the thin guy. I'm the punter. As a coach, because that's what you are as a director, right? You're coaching them because you want the final product to be perfect or yes. as close to perfect as possible, right? What's it like working with personalities and, and getting them to mesh uh, and, and realize, you know, um, uh, as they say, you want the sum of the parts to equal the best possible whole? Well, um, the experience, you know, of working in, in that capacity as a coach, um, as a director, um, it's... It's it's a very uh, very interesting experience because you you have actors coming in with their own perhaps different views mm-hmm. and uh, again getting back to the Alexander Pope act well your part they're all the analyzed to try and get everyone within that production on the same page this is the goal you know when Justin played football the goal of the team was to uh, well he played defense was to prevent the other team from scoring. As a team overall, the uh, the goal of the team is to win. And so the goal of this production is to tell the story uh, to the best of our abilities. Uh, tell the story to the best of our abilities. And um, I can say honestly that all three of the actors, Wanson, uh, Robert, Justin, have done an amazing job in uh, taking uh, my direction uh, taking the notes, uh, and in cases, uh, our production assistants, their uh, particular notes, and uh, uh, incorporating those notes in their acting. Um, I did have to coach Justin up you know, on his uh, southern accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 the draw. I'm not going to do it on the radio right now. You guys got to come really? to the show yeah. Friday and Saturday. You don't want to give a little taste. No, they got to no. come. They got to come. They got to come to CCT, baby. The southern yes, draw. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, but, yeah, again, the, all three of them have done an, an amazing job with uh, with the direction, so and it's important, you know, that as a director uh, to have a vision of where you want to take uh, take the production, to take mm-hmm. the actors, uh, to guide them. So and and at times during the course of the rehearsals, uh, what I may have envisioned may change. I may see something uh, that Robert is doing and saying, okay, yes, do more of that, mm-hmm. or do less of that. Yeah, <laughs> Take yeah, it down twenty yeah, yeah, percent, you know, yeah. so forth and uh, so forth and so on. So, um, but 
you know, the director going into the production needs to have a clear vision of what uh, needs to be uh, portrayed, how the story uh, should be told, mm -hmm. and then you know, sharing that and um, relating that uh, to the actors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of that draw, my, my brother, he always, uh, my brother's real good at impersonating. He, he said, Malcolm X said, uh, uh, and when I die, I don't want to have a long funeral. And if you get somebody to read the eulogy, mm -hmm. tell them not to take too long. So I could always see that. Uh, you know, it was an honor to have uh, uh, you uh, young men uh, here in the studio uh, with me this morning. We didn't get to speak about the migration of black folk from the South um, to, to, to different parts of the industrial North looking for work and all that stuff. But we could always come back and have oh, yeah, that. Yeah, we can always come back and check. You know so you have a, a return uh, engagement here. Uh, let me give the details again. The meeting, the Caribbean Community Theater continues its 39th season with the play by Jeff Stetson on January 12th, 13th and 14th. That's Friday, Saturday and Sunday. There are only three performances of the meeting. Uh, Friday and Saturday night, 8 p.m., and then a Sunday matinee at 4 p.m. And it was an honor uh, to have um, the two uh, distinguished actors and distinguished director, uh, Mr. Robert Raffel, Mr. Justin Smith, and uh, Mr. Lionel Dona, uh, respectively, to join me this morning. Thank you very much. Continued success Thank with you. all you do, all three of you. And looking forward to having you back for return engagements. Yes. Thank, Thank you very you. much. We appreciate, appreciate the quality you. conversations. Happy New Year, guys! Man. Yeah, Happy, Happy New Year. Year. Merry it's, Christmas! It's, all it's, those yeah, all that good day. stuff. <laughs> uh, it's still we're still fresh in 2024. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Miss Elizabeth Rizendi uh, on folding stories, digging into VI history, and talks about a virtual conference they're going to be having. So we we'll back right after this. Good seeing you too. Good seeing you too. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, right. Thank you so much, man. Got it. Great show. Sure. I'll try to make my way over there, man. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Let me take it up front. Those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Hi, I'm Peter Sagal. You spent the week listening to the news. Don't you think you deserve to show off what you've learned on Wait, Wait, We Give You a Chance to Impress Your Friends with Your Knowledge of International Incidents, Political Gaffes, and the Latest Advancement in German Nudists? You'll be the life of the party or the death. Either way, you'll make an impression and you can thank Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Sometimes you need a moment to just step back, relax, and listen to your favorite song. I'm Raina Duris, and on the next World Cafe, maybe I can help you find something new to love, or maybe remind you of something you've been missing. There's so much music out there to enjoy, so take a moment, take a breath, and tune in to World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1.